0: This is the Johnny and Friends Ministry Podcast, and I'm Crystal Keating. Every Thursday, we're bringing you real conversations about disability and finding hope through hardship. And I'm so excited about the great conversations we have lined up for season two, so be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This week, as we celebrate Valentine's Day, I have the pleasure of talking with a very special couple, Greg and Gina Hubert. When Greg and Gina first got married, they never expected to have a son with autism. Then a second son, and then a third son diagnosed with autism. Now, more than 30 years later, as they walk through seasons of disability, they have a marriage that is still thriving. What's their secret to love and marriage, and how have they beaten the odds? Listen in as they share their story and how God has used disability to strengthen their love for one another— as they've leaned into his design for their marriage. Greg and Gina also have some very practical ways that any couple can strengthen their marriage, even in the midst of challenging circumstances. I'm so happy to welcome a special couple to the podcast today as we sit down and talk about keeping love alive through seasons of disability. And this special couple is Greg and Gina Hubert, who are the loving parents to three sons with autism. Welcome to the podcast, Greg and Gina. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm really looking forward to this conversation about having a marriage that's pleasing to the Lord through the ups and downs of raising children with special needs. And Greg, you said it best yourself. It's so much more than just surviving in a marriage that's impacted by disability, but actually getting to a place of thriving which is why I'm so delighted to be with both of you today. So I just wanted to start our conversation talking about your relationship. How long have you guys been married and how did you meet?
1: Oh boy, so that goes back a ways. So we are high school sweethearts. I met Gina, I knew about her. I was best friends with her younger brother Okay, back in junior high.
0: No way. Yeah. Okay, so you do go way back.
1: We do go way back. So so I knew him, and Gina wanted to actually go to a dance with me. So what her younger brother did is came to me and said, hey, would you do me a favor? And I said, sure. Didn't even think anything about it. And he said, would you double date with me to the Sweethearts Dance, and would you take my sister? I said, sure, I'll do it. So that's how it started.
0: Gina, did you put him up to that? Your brother? I did.
2: (laughs) I did. (laughs) Brilliant. a good sport, my brother.
1: He's a good guy. So yeah, so that's what we did. We met. That's how we kind of started. And I was a sophomore, right? Mm -hmm. And you were a junior. And the relationship kind of started from there.
0: So how long did you guys date, and when did you eventually get married? Wow. (laughs) We dated for 10 years. We went through a lot.
2: But then after 10 years, then Greg finally proposed to me. And then we've been married now for 31 and a half years. Wow. Right.
0: That is. So that's like
2: 41 yeah. years. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a lifetime of love in my book. <laughs> well, when you guys got married and when you were thinking about your future, did you want to have children together?
1: Absolutely. We both came from families with four siblings, including us, right? Me and three other siblings, as well as her. So we had this sense we wanted to have a lot of kids, at least four kids, at least in our head. That's at least what our plan was. Totally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so was disability ever part of that conversation when thinking about the future? Absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. Not on your radar?
2: No, No. not on our radar. It should have been, though. Yep. We were in high school. At our church, There's a family that fostered, and adopted children with special needs. And one of the pastor's wives was actually a special ed teacher. And she asked Greg and I, and she probably asked the whole youth group, but Greg and I were the only ones who volunteered and said, we'll work with them. And we were in the class every Sunday helping these kids. And then one day Greg says to me, wouldn't it be funny if we had special needs kids of our own? You
0: really said that?
1: I did, yeah. And
2: we just started laughing, thinking, oh, that'll never happen. That will not be us. Yeah, And that was like,
1: that should have sent a clue. And Gina was, just disabilities in general, when I asked her to be involved with that, she was afraid. It was one of those feelings of, I I don't know if I really want to do this. And for some reason, I just had this soft spot in my heart for children with disabilities. And what was really interesting Mm. is that this family, even though they fostered these, it was three boys. With autism. (laughs) With autism. (laughs) And of course, we have three boys with autism, right? So how weird is that? I'm stunned right now.
0: I did not know that.
1: I just thought of it. Actually, we haven't
0: we haven't really talked haven't about, talked that, about but that
1: before. Yeah. yeah.
0: Wow. So in a way, there was some maybe preparation for God to even just give you that compassion for those with disabilities. And here you are, you're dating, and then a young married couple, and then you have one son with autism and then two sons with autism and now three sons with autism. What was your relationship like in those early years of marriage? I mean, was date night a thing? How did did your relationship change?
1: A big part, I think some of the foundational things for us in our relationship by dating for 10 years, we had some really good pastors at church. So we applied certain principles into our dating relationship to kind of pave the way for when we got married. So we had good examples of what it was like to go on regular dates as a couple, right? When you got married and the place of where our children would kind of come into the world that it wouldn't be just centered around our kids, but our marriage would be the center before Christ. And so there was a lot we learned. So when we came into it, the surprise was the autism, right? Like when When you first get pregnant, everybody's like, "We're praying, you have a healthy pregnancy, right? That's what everybody's prayer is. Yeah, and we did have healthy pregnancies. It's just the autism was the voila, like okay. and when in each one of those those diagnoses, mm-hmm. I think that was some of the emotional roller coaster we had because it it really mm-hmm. it really w- caused us to pause and then say, we both individually kind of struggled through our own process with what this was going to mean for the future, as well as how we then were going to respond as a couple Mm. in our own relationship. And um, but one thing we were committed to, I think all the way through it, correct me if I'm wrong, is that we were determined to make sure that we were individually having a a rich relationship with the Lord. Mm. And then together, we were committed to each other in our marriage. That was one thing we just, the D word, you know, divorce, none of that. We just were committed Mm -hmm. to, God had a reason for this, for these mm. boys in our life. And we laughed, but we'd have one diagnosis and I would say, okay, we're gonna try for our second, right? Well, God wouldn't give us a second boy with autism, right? Mm. A second one came and then we're like, he <laughs> we pumped the brakes and said, maybe we should wait. Yeah. And, and then we had a third, once we said, Lord, we know if this is what you want, then we welcome it we we had and then the third boy came and through each one of those i think we cried equally as hard because mm. we didn't know what the future held in terms of our boys right. but we knew we were committed to one another through it
0: yeah that's good well and it sounds like you <laughs> Greg and Gina were really strong Christians at the time, and so you were really pressing into the Lord. How did raising three sons with autism change your marriage? How did it change your perspective about the purpose of marriage and the purpose of being together? Did it change
2: your outlook? I guess it evolved more into a stronger relationship. In the beginning, we knew marriage was going to be difficult before kids. Greg's parents were divorced when he was really little. My parents stayed married. It was a tough marriage, but they stayed together. So we got to see firsthand Mm. how difficult marriage can be for anyone. Mm -hmm. And so what was it going to be in our life that that God was going to allow to happen to be challenging? Mm -hmm. So in the midst of that, we knew we were going to need to lean on each other. So the autism just happened to be that.
0: Yeah, leaning on each other. How did you guys do that practically when it seems like, from what I've heard with other couples that the child with a disability can take so much of your attention, rightfully so. How did you guys continue to deepen your relationship with one another through the challenges of disability?
1: One was date night, right? Practically, you said. So I think that's one thing we kept right from the beginning. We practiced before we had kids. We were going out twice a month. And then when... God brought the children, you know, the boys, we kept that. We had our parents around, both our parents, my mom and her parents, they were really good that we could kind of, they would come over to spend time with the kids or we could take them over to the house. So we kind of kept that going very strongly. And so that was one thing I think that helped a lot.
2: And I think for us, also knowing that our children, in order for them to be secure in their relationship with us, we had to be secure with each other. So we made our relationship a priority. Because if our kids knew that mommy and daddy were okay, then they're okay. So the only way to do that was to really be okay.
1: That's really important because I remember I would travel a little bit for work. And back then we didn't have FaceTime right with the phones. Right. So what Gina (laughs) would do is I would call and she'd get the kids, corral all the kids together and she'd take a picture out of me and put it on the couch. And so like that, daddy was there, right? But we did that and we didn't know how much they understood, but she would say, oh, daddy's on the phone. She would play it on speaker. Mm-hmm. But it was our time to, that they knew that mommy and daddy were connected or when I would come home from a day out doing sales, the first person I would reach out to and hug was Gina. Like they would just kind of grab my legs, but I'd say, daddy's wait, home. I'd say mommy, mommy gets her time right now even if that was 3 minutes i let them know i'd go over give her a big kiss mm-hmm. let them see the the physical you know the pda but by doing that it kind of communicated to the kids mommy was first yeah. and that well, was and really then to
2: important. me it communicated that i was really important
1: oh yeah that's a good reason too i'm sorry
2: <laughs> <laughs> since we are talking about that's our marriage <laughs> right that's
1: right you were talking about the security part right, right and right. that's that was a big part because i think a lot of the behaviors that they would act out on or meltdowns, if we weren't doing that consistently, they acted out more. They had more meltdowns. Really? They had you more, noticed it significantly. We noticed it, yeah. and we would, that would be a gut check. We'd say, hey, we haven't been doing couch time, or I've been coming in and playing with the boys before I reach out and spend time with you. Mm-hmm. And when we would consistently do that, the kids just had this calmness about them or the, the, the magnification of the behaviors was completely different is what we observed.
0: That is really interesting. Well, and that goes back to God's great purpose in preserving a marriage and having that be such a picture of Christ and the church, right? I mean, there's yeah. a there's a reason that he values that in such a deep and great way. And, you know, even when no one's looking except for your kids, it matters. So what a great testimony. Well, what are some of the specific challenges you've faced in your marriage relationship as you raised your children with autism?
1: So the big one, Crystal, that comes to my mind is sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Our middle boy, Tyler, from the day he was born all the way up to when he went into his group home when he was 18, he never slept through the night. Ne- never. Ever. So Ever. So that was a challenge. And you think
0: when they're an infant, okay, they're going to get out of this stage, they're going to move through, but that never happened. Right.
1: And the reason it was such a big challenge is because Mm -hmm. continual chronic lack of sleep, you just, you get anxious, you get edgy, you get short fused, everything Mm -hmm. that comes along with lack of sleep. And that was a real challenge. We tried different things like light therapy for Tyler, remember, Mm -hmm. can we dim the lights and maybe he'll go to sleep and that didn't work. And we tried-
2: Melatonin. Yeah.
1: that just got him more stimulated. So everything mm. that was generally wow. a guidance of this will help never helped. And so it ended up where for us, we ended up having to kind of tag team. So God always seemed to give one of us in that whole 18 years before he moved out, correct me if I'm wrong, babe, mm-hmm. is that one of us, when, when one was running out of gas, the other always had the energy. At least God gave the other person, Gina, the yeah. grace, to have the energy to do it. Or when she was running low on fuel, I was like, I'm good, I can mm. do it tonight. Mm. And so we really tried to say, when we lay down at night, who's got the, the fullest tank tonight, right? <laughs> and we were honest with each other and that, that's kind of how we, we did it. And it's, uh, that was a huge challenge because right. it was for years. So it affects us when we go on vacation, right? Like you go on a vacation, Someone's got to stay up with him. So then you start yeah. thinking, do we really want to go on vacation? This isn't going to be very relaxing. Or um, we'd go try to go to church retreats and we try it, but then one of us is staying up. So how, how much fun are we really? The kids are crying. And it's right. like, is this really a fun vacation or a good outing with the church? So that was a real, That's that was a big challenge yeah, for us.
0: Yeah. Gina, how did that impact you?
2: It put a, a lot on me, because Greg, is, being the breadwinner, he'd have to go to work every day, so I felt obligated to be the one to get up every night. Sure. And he was great, though, at taking over when I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. But if he had to get up at 5 or 6 in the morning, I had to be the one that would have to get up and take care of them, and then stay up. Yeah. Through the day. Through the day. And yeah. I'd, I'd get my afternoon cup of coffee, and I'd be sitting in the chair, I'd fall asleep holding my cup of I coffee. Bet.
0: So it was hard. Yeah, it was a hard time. Sounds like it. Well, you guys had to really be a team. Yeah. And, you know, I read all the marriage books and the counseling marriage books, and one of the things that they say is that there is a partnership, but you have to have a friendship in marriage. How did you guys maintain a friendship, or did you maintain a friendship? You guys like each other a lot. I've seen you together. We do. You, you really like each other.
1: Jean is <laughs> my best friend, and... I was just mentioning this to her yesterday. Is that I think through this, because families like ours experience so much isolation, mm-hmm. we were kind of drawn back to each other to be each other's best friends mm-hmm. through all this. Because with all the times we moved across the United States, we had to start up new friendships. But she was always hard. always the one. And 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 even when we dated before I proposed, that was a big factor. Is I I wanted my mate to be my best friend. Mm-hmm you know, and she's just great. It's just gotten richer and richer over the years. And the disabilities experiences with our kids has caused, I don't want to say forced, but has drawn us even closer together Mm -hmm. because we lean into each other heavily. We don't pull away from each other in the hard times. We actually lean more heavily on one another. I think when you're married and you're younger, we saw a lot of couples get divorced in three to five to seven years Mm -hmm. when They'd have the kids, they'd get the house, they'd get the promotions. And then it's like, they weren't really dialed in. And it's like, is this all there is, right? Mm. And for us, believing that Christ in our relationship would have the best for us, that it's just gotten richer and richer and richer the longer we've been married. Like, I just, you know, I love, I hate going on business trips because I'm away from her, but I love coming home because... Yeah, you know, I get to see her. Yeah. It's just, she's just the best. But we
2: work at it, too. So you think back of when we were dating. When you try to get someone's attention, you're interested in the things they're interested in, right? Yep. And so if he wanted to go to the park and play basketball, well, i go pretend I knew how to play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> and so I realized that it shouldn't change when you're married. So he yeah. likes to run. Okay, I'm going to like to run. I tried as much as I could and got on his running team. And he hated coffee, but he said, you know, I'll go to Starbucks with you and have a cup of coffee. And so we learned to have fun with each other. Mm. And I think that's really important. People forget to remember back what attracted you to that person in the beginning. So some of those fun things, because life is hard. So we need to really find the joy that God's put out there for us. So,
0: Well, and what you're saying is good advice for any marriage. Yeah. And just putting in that effort and that time to spend with your partner. So one of the things that I know is true in marriages is that we need support. And it's, it's great to rely on one another, but then you also got to have your girlfriends and your guy friends. Talk about some of the relationships that you built outside of the marriage that really made your marriage even sweeter. I
1: don't know if it was our pastor who gave us it, but he says, you're, you're never going to fully each other meet 100% of your needs.
0: Right, you, you right. you're not going to complete one another in right. the sense that maybe you know the movie says you complete me. It's right. like, Wait a minute, really? No, yeah,
1: yeah. That's and good. so you from meet that, each other's needs, yeah, and from that we we made it. We were really committed to, and then we were just talking about this last night how strange it was. We don't have a, another couple that we. You have this image like we'll go out and go double date with a couple we both like. In general, we don't have any other couples we both like want to socialize with but we have individual friends like I have a group of guys that I hang out with that hold me accountable and we sharpen Mm -hmm. each other and she's got a group of women that she's been seeing for 30 plus years the same way wow and same with me I know guys that for 30 years that we every Friday we meet for a couple hours when I'm in town but that's what's so great is we we have a commitment to have friends of ours same sex that will Mm -hmm. build us up and encourage us
2: and hold us accountable.
1: Yeah, it's
2: really good. When I I can come and they'll say, "Are you complaining? Or are you just
1: asking? your friends say you
2: that? <laughs> yeah, say that to you. Yeah, yeah. They're like, okay, where? How friends. far are we going with this, Gina? <laughs> yeah, no, they're good. We're there for each other in the good and the bad. Yeah. In addition to the accountability my girlfriends bring, it's every other month we get together to celebrate our birthdays, and we can be together for hours just talking and. Sharing coffee or tea that by the time I, we're done, you know four or five hours later, we come home and and I'm ready just to sit and be still with my husband. I don't have to tell him all that stuff all over again
1: but and it's good for me too, because for me, by meeting on fridays right it's it's two other two other men that's it, but we kind of pick up we we're kind of a little shorter to the point. it's like thirty years of stories we can start talking about something yeah. and what's so good is they. One of the friends I have can remember something 17 years ago. And he says, Well, remember when this happened, how you responded, and how much, how much, how you've dealt with it now. So it's really, wow. really good because we talk about, Oh, d- developing a, a whole bunch of friendships. Well, I just have this, this two or three guys that I can dial into, and mm. we can pick up pretty much with any new event that happens in our life or a new mm. situation with our kids. They have a history of being able to reference, well, this is what happened in the past, or mm. you did this, that that God helped you with, and it's, it's really mm. helpful. But the whole point of this, Crystal, is that we both have a group of friends that help us be included, but not feel isolated either. Mm. So we come back refreshed to be able to kind of tackle any challenge with our kids that kind of come up, mm. you know, over the years.
0: No, that's so true. And I know that through the years, you've, been a family impacted by disability, but you've also been ministering to families impacted by disability, and you know that one of the hardships of disability is the isolation piece. And that really puts the full court press on what a family is going through. So, you know, through the years, have you always had the kind of peacefulness that you're talking about now, the support? I mean, how have you really protected your relationship against isolation?
1: it's ongoing. It's not like it just goes away. Yeah. It, it, we were talking about this and we have felt isolation from the beginning and we still can feel it today. Mm. So
0: Even with the good friends around, it's still Even there. with the good friends yeah.
1: because one of the things we did over the years was not sit back and say, why aren't people including us in stuff at mm-hmm. church? Why aren't mm-hmm. they coming and inviting us? And she spun that around. She says, well, if no one's inviting us, to come to a small group, why don't we do our own small group at our house? Mm. Like she said, let's invite people into our world. Yeah. Or if we're there, we're not being invited to that baseball game, let's do a group uh, church activity where we buy a block of seats at Dodger Stadium and invite everybody in and call it a, a disability event at Dodger Stadium. So I would sit back and analyze, why is this <laughs> happening? And she would be the proactive one and say, hey, let's just bring them along. Yeah. And so- the isolation that we continue to experience, and we don't really often get invited to a lot of things still today. But instead of going, "Why me?" we say, "Why not invite other people into something that we can do to prevent that isolation?" And that was all you, Gina, it was like, "Well, was I'm great. the
2: social person, and I can't and be not. alone
1: very long. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> if you're not inviting me, you're coming over to my house." <laughs>
0: No, that's good, because that's got to continue to help your marriage and your relationship right. when you're even partnering together on that. I wish you guys lived closer, because you're welcome to my house <laughs> for dinner anytime, seriously.
1: Thank you. <laughs> we can still drive.
0: Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, how have you guys prayed for each other through the years, and how can a spouse pray for their loved one through the challenges of disability?
2: In praying for Greg, I think
0: what I like to do
2: is just whatever he's going through, I don't even think of it as disability. I think this is my husband. Where is he struggling or what's he working through? How can God use him better? And so I just pray for him as an individual. I just, you know, disability isn't who Greg is. It's what we live, but what is God doing in his life now? So that's how I pray for him.
1: That's great. Yeah, I don't know if I can even top that. It's just, I think that's a good way of putting it is that we just pray for the needs that each other has and being there for one another. A lot of times it's not, not trying to have answers as much as it is just listening and and sharing things God's been teaching me. And that'll give opportunities that we'll just pray. And sometimes I you know, we don't know what to pray for one another, but we just we just ask God to draw us closer to himself and to get us through whatever we're going through. We didn't ask so much to like remove whatever tough things we were going through with Mm -hmm. the boys. It was Mm -hmm. like, help us get closer to to Christ and closer to each other through it. And it wasn't without a lot of crying and a lot of, um, it wasn't easy. you know. It's not like we have it figured out. Mm -hmm. It's a battle all the time, even Mm -hmm. to this day with the Mm -hmm. two boys that still live with us. It's not turnkey simple. It's still a challenge every day. So.
0: so prayer is a necessity for one another. Absolutely. Yep. To be strengthened, to remain steadfast, immovable. All those things mm-hmm. Paul talks about that we can't do without the Spirit for sure. Absolutely. Well, one of the things I really appreciated about you two is that you established a mission for your marriage. Love God and love people. You, you, you really see a purpose in your marriage. Can you guys talk about that?
1: Yeah, we. I think years ago, we had a pastor who was really big. This is when we were dating, and he had was really big on, hey, what is God calling you to do? And he didn't give us any answers, but he says, what is it uniquely, uniquely designed to do? And when we first got married, even before the, we had boys with disabilities, that's something we talked about, and it's based on Matthew 22 and the greatest commandment. So lo- simply loving God and loving people. And then when God blessed us with our boys, we added that kind of a tagline or to the especially those created with we call god designed abilities mm-hmm. so we our whole focus as a family is we've always wanted to be used wherever god puts us whatever part of the united states or wherever we're living and we wanted to focus on what we thought was most important to the lord mm-hmm. and loving him and then loving others but we have this this kind of preference, like we're really seeking out our scanning or our radars to kind of spot those families that are being marginalized or excluded or not coming to church. And we're kind of always seeking them out. And those are the families you really want to kind of pull in and make sure they experience that, that love for God and loving them. So hopefully they'll hear about the good news of Jesus. That's really in simple form where our hearts are.
2: Marriages today, you know, the divorce rate's so high and without Christ I can't even imagine how people hold it together. So in loving God first and, and honoring him, obeying his commandments, he teaches us how to love each other better.
0: That's so good. I mean, I think your marriage is a testimony of God's grace through the gospel, even through the hardships of disability. And and that really comes out. You guys said you're imperfectly perfectly designed to be together. And uh, I know the love and respect you have for one another goes a long way. So as we close our time together, what can our churches do to support stronger marriages of those who are raising children with special needs?
1: The first thing that comes to mind is a practical way of doing it is respite. And it's not always easy to do, and it maybe not might not be the first thing that a church can can set up, but I mean having someone come along and say, it doesn't have to be a formal program, but hey, if, you, if they're trustworthy and you get to know some of them, is there any way that we could come and watch your child so you can get out for an hour? Something that's very tangible and practical. That will encourage couples to actually engage because our children with disabilities become a big excuse like, it, it it becomes ingrained like nobody else can watch my kids as well as I can and nobody else will be able to handle the different unexpected outbursts or meltdowns that they have. But I think what the church can really do is come alongside and and they don't have to be perfect at doing it. It's having the right heart to just say, this is what we can practically do for you and, and watch them so you can get out as a couple. And it might be a single mom, too, that like they can get out and go spend time with a, a friend you know, just so they have a, a mind that's not falling apart and a heart that's discouraged. That's one practical way that the church can come alongside. The first
2: time a couple will go out on a date, they don't even know what to do. So (laughs) they like, what do we talk about? And kind of make the rules. Let's not talk about the kids, at least for the first five, 10 minutes, you know. But it's a great practice. And if they can do it over and over again, they'll really reap the benefits of that.
1: Another one is, too, is it doesn't have to be necessarily to their house. It could be just, hey, we're going to go to the park. You want to come with our family to have lunch after church at the park or during the day moms can get together, it's a little bit safe because they're not going to break anything at the house, right? Which a lot of times will get them not to invite you back. But if you go to the park and maybe play on the swing sets, yeah. that's another way that they just feel included in, in kind of the community of the church in a way that they go, wow, they want to actually know me. They actually want to know my kids. And then it teaches mm-hmm. their kids To learn how to interact with kids with disabilities, and the younger they are, the quicker they learn they don't have to be afraid of these kids. And they, we've seen kids grow up right in ten years and become special needs teachers, or Mm. they because they've just it's been a part of their lives. Then they grow up and they they just treat them like everybody else. There's just a natural rhythm to how they love and share Christ with them. That's really cool.
0: Mm. That is so cool. And you know, last question: Any closing words of advice or encouragement for couples who are listening today, who want to keep their love alive through seasons of disability, and are just um, needing some words of encouragement?
1: One thing I wish we had when we were younger is another. Another couple we could reach out to who was a little bit older, had been down the road a little bit, and say, "How did you do it?" And it's not like there's a magic answer to it, but you have someone you could go to to kind of lean on and cry and say, I don't know if I can do this and just share the messiness of disability ministry and and living. And I would just say, we would constantly have people and we were just saying this again today. You got a text, I think saying, oh, someone's asking, hey, would you? can somebody call you and talk to you about it? They just got diagnosed with autism. And I would say, Maybe in our 20-something years, we've had two families out of all the people They say, can they talk to you? People don't call. People don't call us to Mm -hmm. actually talk to us. So I don't know what they're doing, Mm -hmm. but they're not reaching out. So I'd say to a reach out to another couple if you find, we want to talk to you. And I think we can just help you go. We've been there. You're going to make it. This is what has given us hope as a family, Right. And they may not believe it, but I can tell you they're much more receptive to the message or the good news of Christ when you're in a similar state of trauma and feel like you're drowning, that someone's like, you can, you're going to get through this. We'll get you through today. We'll get you through next week. And this is who gave us hope. Christ gave us hope in this. And this, what appeared to be a mess is a joy.
2: God gives us that hope because there's a purpose in all this. And I think if people have purpose, they understand or they can find that understanding in their children that God created their children exactly the way they're supposed to be. And he created you and your spouse to be their parents. And when I realized that God created us for this purpose, he gave us these specific kids for a purpose that I all the more can have hope and find the resources from him to love my husband even better. So um, there's hope in it. And that's what I want people to know. When I see these young families just tired and exhausted and thinking they can't do it, and we meet them and we say, oh my gosh, welcome. This is so exciting that you have a child with autism. They look at us like we're crazy. But oh my goodness, they have no idea how much God really loves them and has in store for them.
0: Wow. After more than 30 years, Greg and Gina have a relationship that isn't just surviving, it's thriving. As they've let God design their marriage and lean into him and also to one another through the hard times, their love has only gotten richer. Do you know a couple in your church or community raising children with special needs? This Valentine's Day, I encourage you to take Greg and Gina's advice and offer them a gift, a few hours of respite. As Greg shared, you don't have to be perfect at it. You just have to have the right heart. What a practical and tangible way to show that you care. Well, if after today's conversation, you're still in the Valentine's spirit, be sure to download our season one episode with Kevin and Jamie Stark called Love, Marriage, and Disability. In this conversation, Kevin and Jamie give honest insight about marriage and the role that quadriplegia plays in their relationship. They share what it really means for any couple to say, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. Thank you for listening to this special episode on marriage. I'm Crystal Keating, and if you have any comments, please visit johnnyandfriends.org slash podcast to send me a message. I would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Johnny and Friends Ministry Podcast.